Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset. Where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am JB. Like we mentioned earlier, I'm here with my friend and my favorite, the Doc. Doc, what's up, man? Can we rock? What's up, Doc? Yeah, this is Better Business Brewing, or BBB, where we like to have a conversation. We talk about the challenges that some of our clients have had, some questions they're asking, or if you're part of the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab and you've asked us something in there directly, we try to answer those questions as well. At least once a month takes place at the last Monday of every month, and without fail, always includes one thing for sure. It's a little drink of some sort. A beverage, whatever you happen to partake in. No rules here. There's no rules. Drink what you like to drink. We don't judge. That is it. And normally I say I try to try, I try something new every single month here. I'm not trying something new tonight. I'm just having a glass of La Crema, Sauvignon Blanc, simple, simple, easy wine, like table wine. Perfect for eight o'clock on a Monday after a long holiday weekend if you're Jewish like me. So yeah. So probably not his first glass. No, <laughs> not my first class. So now, I know you're not enjoying anything as nice as I am. So what I'm hearing was this was the bottle that was still open that the rest of the family hadn't finished before you went to the other room. <laughs> it may have been already open. <laughs> Get I it. will it's confirm nor deny that. Um, I am sitting in the office today, so that means we do not have a cocktail. But we are going to the gym next, so we do have the trusty pre-workout coming my way to get me a little bit of caffeine. As our previous listeners of BBB learned, I can drink caffeine and five minutes before going to bed, so it doesn't really matter what time of the day I drink it. But if I don't have it before going to the gym, it won't be very effective at all. So nine o'clock gym nights require some caffeine. I'm just wondering why when you started talking about your your uh, pre-workout, you just switched to like the royal third person, we? Because <laughs> I don't want to be going through this alone. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> there are plenty of wonderful people that go to the gym like late night, early morning, like 11 o'clock, 2 in the morning. There's some interesting characters there. Yeah. I'm stronger at night, I've realized over time. Mornings and me. We're not friends. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know how you do it. Being like, I work out as early as possible in the morning. I don't, I don't know how you do nighttime workouts. I, I really don't. I can't I can't handle that. I'm exhausted this time of night. It has nothing to do with the alcohol. Well, so someone who experimented with both early morning and late night workouts, um, much more productive at night. Mornings, my body's still like, nope, we're not here yet. Come back and let me know in a few hours. 
I did enjoy the midday workouts probably the best, but unfortunately schedules don't always allow for those the same way every day of the week. Those, those are tough, man. Got to be flexible. You got to figure out what fit it when you can. So what, what happens when you get off schedule? Like you, your night exercise guy, you can't exercise at night. So do you the next morning work out or you just skip it? Because like if, if I miss a workout first thing in the morning, guess what? I have all day to figure out how to fit in a workout. I got all day to figure it out. So but let's ask this because you are a creature of habit. Um, and you can focus on the creature, the habit part, whatever ones you guys want to focus on as we get closer to Halloween. Uh, but you are someone who is very regimented on your schedule that you are up every morning at a certain time doing this, getting into that flow where you, you generally don't miss. Your schedule is pretty quite tight. So do you, if you happen not to still fit it in throughout the day or you generally call it out for the day or just make sure you fit it in? Which one do you usually do? I think it depends on why I missed it. You know, it's, I don't, I don't miss a lot of workouts. I'm, I'm, I am pretty consistent. I just have that personality to your point, very regimented. Uh, and a lot of people are like me, so it's not common for me to miss a workout, but when I do, you know, it's always a question of, am I, am I missing it because I'm not feeling up to it for some reason, right? Am I injured or really sore? Is my body telling me that I'm done and I need a break? In that case, I probably will not fit it in but i've had plenty of mornings where you know over the years it's just i'm just not in it and then later in the day i i, I get to that stage where i'm like you know what I, I i gotta do it i can't i can't just skip it just to skip it so i will fit it in even though i'm miserable doing it at that time of day you know later in the afternoon or the evenings or even late night it i really dislike it but i will do it if i if it was a if it, if it was an excuse-driven reason to miss it, you know, all you normally make it up. Absolutely. That makes sense. So, and this is where we talk about we're all different, right? We're all unique individuals and not one size fits all. JB is very regimented. He has his time every morning that he devotes to that. Uh, because my schedule is a little bit more um, all over the place from day to day, uh, like today's the therapy day, so I'm locked and loaded pretty much nine to nine. Um, adding this thing stuff or Tuesdays, I should say today's Monday, right? We switch days. I don't even know what day it is. And just to be clear, this isn't therapy you need from nine <laughs> to nine, right? <laughs> that's a lot of work, but that's a lot of self-work. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, but because I know my days are different, like some are very intense therapy days and some days are more flexible where I have more time throughout the day. My workout time does change depending on the day of the week. So I know on like Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm going to have later, later nights or I'm going to work out into the evening where I know Wednesday, I usually can work out in the afternoon and then, you know, accordingly throughout the week. So mine isn't necessarily at the exact same time every day, um, but I build my flexibility in early in the week as I look at my schedule and say, okay, when can I fit it in this week? So I still always fit it in, um, but it's maybe not exact same time. But I've always learned just to that time, if I try to work out early, I know that day is not going to be my strength day. So if I know I have to throw it in early in the morning, then we're going to do more cardio-based or we're going to do more light-based where it's just, you know, maybe higher reps or something. Uh, that's what I've learned over time, like how to make that adjustment. If I know that it's going to be later where it's a stronger point of me, those are the days I'll plan my heavier, stronger works out. So they might be all over the place. They might be different times, but I've learned through trial and error through that process that we like to talk about all the time, that expert, expert, 
experimentation, words easy for you to say, um, you could figure out what works best for you and, and make the adjustment accordingly. And that's what I think we both are saying is over time, we've learned what works best for us. That, that's true. I'm not sure you answered my question though. Like what it's happens if you miss your workout? <laughs> like, do you make it up or do you just skip it being in that it's so late in the day? Is it like, hey, you know, I'm going to double up tomorrow or I'm going to put an extra hour in? Like, what do you do? Or do you just kind of forego it and say, hey, I'll add it into next week or over the next few days? Uh, it's mostly because it is scheduled out. It generally doesn't have to get missed. But there's those moments, but then what do we, when we talk about our time blocking, which we've talked about even on here before, what do we always say about our time blocking? Is it? Can't be too so rigid, strict? right? Right. Yeah. We have, we have flexible rigidity, right? So we have these schedules that are blocked, but we have these things that we can flip flop. So if I know I'm going to have to flip it, I just flip it into a spot that I have availability for. So it won't get bit. So it might be the next morning sometimes. Um, but generally, there's a time throughout the evening that it can still work. Unless, of course, I'm doing the 9 o'clock one. Sometimes it gets moved to 11. I'm having my bedtime get started a little later that night. Or my wrap-up stuff or my dinner gets changed around. Um, you know, that happens. Dude, it's 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 so crazy because I, I hear you talking and in my head, I'm just like, your schedule is just full of uncertainty. Because <laughs> it can change all the time. Like, I know you have, you, you have structure, right? I know you have structure in your calendar. You have your days. But there is a lot of uncertainty in there. Do you feel like, do you feel like your schedule's uncertain a lot, or, or constantly in flux, or, or is it just normal for you and you don't even feel that way? Well, there's goes back to my favorite thing we talk about is perception, right? Because yours is so rigid or regimented throughout the the week, where it's very consistent normally, um, mine seems more chaotic to you. But because I know mine's in different times in different places, it's actually very regimented for me because I just know my schedule is going to be different. So it's built in that way. Right now, if I was coming into the week and going, Oh my God, what does this week have in store for me? It could be a little bit more crazy, but I generally know what my week looks like. I just know it's moved around a little bit, but so it's still scheduled. It still has a plan behind it. It's just not that same. It's that perception, right? Of Can you still have the structure and stability, even if there are different times? And some people can't. Some people have to eat their, their meals at a certain time. They have to go to bed at a certain time. They have to wake up at a certain time for them to be most effective. And that's great for them. And then there's other people like myself where we don't need that. I don't need to hit a certain bedtime. I know I know how to get my enough hours of sleep, but it doesn't have to always be the exact same. And I think that's when we when we talk about like reading those books and doing certain things where people try to fit into, because it works for one person, that it has to work for them. And that doesn't always become true. There's a lot more flexibility in our lives, it, depending on how you're, you're made. Right. And that's where people figure it out for themselves. You know, books, books are like networking, right? When you go networking, you're not trying to meet every single person in the event. You meet two or three good people. It's a great networking event. When you read a book, if you can take two or three great ideas from a book, it's a great read. You don't need to take every single thing from the book and call it a failure if you don't uh, when you read a book. You know, I, I don't think most of us are built to fully adopt somebody else's full system. Uh, and I, I mean, there, there's books out there that, you know, I won't mention any names, Miracle Morning, um, that are like, oh, if you don't do it exactly this way, you're going to be unsuccessful. And then it's where they, they preach that throughout the whole thing. It's like, if you don't do it exactly how I'm telling you, 
you'll never be rich. You're, this is how millionaires are built. Like, no, that's not true. That's crap. Yeah, but it's good sales. It's good sales because people want to be told this is the way to do it. This is your shortcut to become a millionaire or this or that. You do it exactly like this and no, no way else. And, and you're guaranteed to, for it to work because it worked for me. Uh, unfortunately, what worked for you in your life does not necessarily mean it will work for me in my life. That's just not how life works. Life is different for you. It was at a different time. You were starting from a different place, looking for probably a different end result. You know, I, I, I mean, it's just that never fully works, but it sells well. Different strengths, different weaknesses, different, so many differences. We're all unique. We're somewhere on that spectrum. And to try to make one size fit all for everybody, it's just, it's impossible. Yeah, it's, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't tend to work. And that's why, while I like helping people with systems doc, it's, it's not one of the things I like to focus on with our individual coaching. Yeah. You know, it, it's more about soft skill development. It's about, uh, refining and, and leveling up skills and strengths and identifying weaknesses and figuring a way to shore those up or delegate them out, you know, put, put them off to someone else who has it as a strength. If you can do those things, you're a lot more likely to be successful than just following one system, one specific system to, to a fault. Right. And that's what, then that's what we like to talk about a lot when we're working with people is figuring out that system for you. Um, as we just had that wonderful comment, uh, you might be able to see, I can't see the names. Um, I know you can sometimes, uh, but I love the phrase comfortably rigid. So I do love that when we use it a lot. Rigid flexibility. Like we use, I use rigid flexibility all the time for people because um, they understand it. So yeah, it is a great phrase. And we'll shout well, you out. Say it's, a, it's a willow tree that, uh, that bends and doesn't break. That's what they say. Something like that. And that is a reminder for all of you that are watching live, please leave some comments. We can uh, answer some questions if you like, as we go along these topics, we love to hear your insight and share with our listeners. That's the whole idea of this platform tonight is to, to have a good conversation. Um, and then those of you that are tuning in for the first time, uh, this is BBB. This is our live once a month event that we do every month at the end of the month. Last Monday, except for October, we're going to do it the week before the last Monday because everyone's going to be out trick-or-treating, um, including me. Um, but just know you can always come in. You can ask questions. And then if you are hearing this on the podcast or on YouTube later on, that is a replay. So just know next month you can also watch us live. It's awesome. And that was Carol Williams giving a shout-out, one of the best immigration attorneys in the state of Florida. If you don't know Carol... You should meet her. She is awesome. And David, thank you for giving us approval to actually see who you are without making me go over to LinkedIn. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the comment, man. Can you let people know what to do, Josh? Uh, I know there is some buttons you have to push if you want to comment with your name attached. And we okay, we're okay if you don't. It. Yeah. StreamYard gives you a prompt if you uh, are willing to give the thumbs up. But you can see it on LinkedIn. So if anybody watching us on LinkedIn is going to be able to see those comments, uh, which, which is cool. And we don't mind if you don't want to share who you are. We can keep your keep you anonymous. Let's hope that's not the case because I just literally shouted out Carol Williams to like the entire world. <laughs> she wanted to be anonymous. My bad, Carol. That's on me. <laughs> I'll take that one. <laughs> we assume most of our listeners are, are not in witness protection. I do say most. 
They're all right. So, Doc, I, I do want to talk about a couple things tonight, though. Uh, okay, let's do it. I've been hearing about from people. This, this is a big one. Uh, you know, and this is live, but we do this as a replay on our podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a moment and I'm, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hypothesize that what's going on today and what I'm hearing about from people today is still going to be an issue in the week or two or whenever we actually release this thing for our podcast. Uh, and that is uncertainty ton of uncertainty right now out there we've got massive inflation we've got stock markets all over the place we are dealing with uh, a housing market that suddenly seems like it may be cooling down you're starting to see uh mortgage numbers really soften as well as new build and home construction numbers get weaker we're looking at six percent drops uh you know there's just a lot going on that's really uncertain we're seeing wage growth but things like that are still lagging behind inflation. So it's really not where it should be in the first place. And you know, in the mortgage world, we did have for the first time in a while, a week of higher uh, applications, but they're all refinanced, not purchase. Uh, so it was not driven by purchases. Those are still really down. So big uncertain market, talking to financial professionals out there, a lot of handholding, a lot of behavior management. And I'm guessing in many people's industries that are impacted by a strong economy or a potentially recessionary economy, it's a big challenge and there's just a lot of uncertainty out there. So I, I think it's a great topic for us to chat about a little bit because managing to uncertainty is hard. It's not easy. There's a good understatement. Well, I had, a, I had to go on like a whole rant just to end it with one firm statement. <laughs> a very accurate statement. Yes. Uncertainty is hard. Um, when we think about uncertainty in a lot of different ways, I think, you know, so what do we know about anxiety? The word anxiety in general, where does it come from? Where does anxiety actually happen? It's really the fear of future unknowns, right? It's a future event that we're unsure about, that we're worried about. And that's basically what anxiety is, right? And if you think about even growing up in school or when you go to the doctor, what's generally the biggest concern? It's like, oh, I took a test. What's my grade? The anxiousness is about getting the grade. Whether you pass or fail, you don't really care as much about doctor's appointment. You get waiting on a test back. You're waiting on the result because you want to know what to do next. If it's good or bad, you can start to make a plan. So when you have uncertainty, it leaves you just with this, like, I don't know what to do next feeling. Give me some sort of answer so then I can make a decision. So that does create a lot of that angst and that, that nervousness and that anxiety around that which is hard. It is. And we like certainty, right? Certain, certain is comfortable. Certain, certain, and you talk about this all the time. People are always drawn to comfort. What's comfortable. We like it. And when you start dealing with uncertainty, you get uncomfortable because we don't, we don't know if things are going to go the way we expect them to, or that they have in the past. It, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's like when you're, when you're walking and you're looking down and you're focused on the steps right in front of you, you might feel really good about like that next step because you can see it, but you can't see anything around you. And so there's a lot of uncertainty. Well, what's in front of me? What's coming up around the corner? Well, I don't know. And that can really, that can be tough. And that's especially pertinent right now because we just happen to be going around the corner into Q4, right? So not only are we dealing with a huge amount of uncertainty, we're also dealing with the end of the year, the last quarter, for people to get things done, to, to take a look back at their goals and say, hey, am I on track? Am I off track? What am I going to do here? It makes for a really difficult 
end to year for people more than we've seen, I think over the last year or so. Sure. I would imagine there's always some built in uncertainty in Q4 going into the, the first quarter of the next year. Like what, what should our budget look like? What do we put aside for this? What do we put aside for that? Are we going to continue this growth pattern or this loss pattern? Um, how do we decide what our next set of numbers are that we have to come up with when we can't figure out what we're going to do this quarter? So it's, it is crazy. I know I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the fourth quarter coming up in a second, but what are some of those things? And I have some thoughts too, but I'd love to hear yours on how to deal with that. Like, because uncertainty is going to happen. We, as you said, we're in it. We're in the midst of it right now. What are some of the things that you like to do? I, I think one of the most helpful things anytime I'm dealing with uncertainty is is creating perspective and stepping back, trying to color in the picture a little bit better. Uh, I find when when you're dealing with uncertainty and you're dealing with the emotion that comes with it, which is really what I would argue is what you need to manage to, because we can't manage the external. Right. External is what it is. It's all about how we how we interpret that. So it's all it's all subjective. And if we step back, we can eliminate some of that subjectivity. We can get a little bit more objective. And, and to me, that's one of the best things we can do. Uh, so I would say a pause, a process, right? Give myself a chance to process and root me, remove myself a little bit from the feelings that I'm getting from the uncertainty. So that that's that's a big one. Number number two for me, Doc, is simple. If I'm starting to get some of that, let's call it nervous energy that's gonna that's generally gonna come from uncertainty. Like for sure for me, I I, I tend to be a high anxiety person by nature. So when I when I deal with uncertainty, it drives anxiety. Uh, I'll do look for ways to channel it. So you'll see me put a little bit more into the physical activity or the meditation. Uh, for other people, that might be spending more time and getting away, you know, taking that vacation that was overdue and stepping back a little bit. Uh, for others, it might be, hey, I'm going to step into the risk. You know, that's how some people manage it, right? You know, there's a little uncertainty in there. They, they embrace it and they step into it. And that's okay too. We all have different ways of managing to it, but channeling some of that energy in a way that's going to help me you know get it off my shoulders it is a big way for me to manage to it so have some good coping strategies in place i'm hearing yeah so that i mean you want to put it in a simple statement i coping strategies that's exactly it adopt a coping strategy and i like what you said about perception too right like because we have this thought Uncertainty is certainly going to happen. There's always a chance that anything we do, there's going to be some uncertainty because uh, we can't predict anything 100%. So we always deal with uncertainty really every day. We just don't think about it a lot of times because it happens in a lot of ways that we just go with probabilities, right? I don't expect it to happen, so I don't even think about it. But when we have this big pieces of uncertainty, we're talking about like the market, what our jobs are going to look like. The best thing you can do is be prepared. Now, there's a quote from probably a classic movie that you all have seen, you know, Academy Award winning, uh, great actor, Steven Seagal, you know, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. <laughs> Top of everyone's list of movies, I'm sure. But there's a great quote in there that says, chance favors the prepared mind. And what he meant by that idea was like, have a plan in case things go wrong, right? Like have that 
just be prepared for the situation. And if it happens by chance, you're already ready. So prepare for things, prepare for what you think would happen. You don't have to come up with every scenario, but have some good preparation around, okay, am I saving enough? Am I putting myself in a good position if these things happen? And then if they do happen, you can push through it because you've at least give it some thought and have a little plan around it. So just have a little bit of that preparation. It doesn't have to be doomsday preparation. It doesn't have to be a preparation for every single situation, but you take some of the top probabilities, possibilities, and, and you create a plan around that. So that way, if you do wind up happening, that you're, you're prepared for it. And I know you love that movie, so don't laugh at me. Hey, you know, you know, I, I was just struggling. I got a little blurry there. I couldn't decide if the wine was starting to hit me or if my video camera was all screwed up. I guess it was the wine because I'm, I, yeah, it was, it was the video camera. <laughs> uh, that quote actually reminds me, I think I'm pretty sure it's a Boy Scout, maybe even an Eagle Scout quote, which is prepare for the worst, expect the best. Yeah, you know, put the mindset right, you know, expect that things are going to work out, but pre be prepared, be prepared in case they don't. You know, that way you can manage to it, to your point, have a plan in place. There's something really solid to be said about that. Uh, somebody else said this too, very similar quote, which is, you know, think about the very worst thing that could happen, the absolute worst case scenario and improve upon it, right? What's the worst thing that can happen here? Okay. How can I improve upon it so that the worst thing that happens isn't that bad? And I like to even add a little bit to that is I don't always think we have to think of the, I mean, it's good to know if the worst thing happens because the reality is it generally is it almost never a probability, right? Um, but beyond just the, the worst thing that happens, just think about some of the things that can happen. And it doesn't always have to be the worst because there's also good things that can happen. Um, so we can balance that out a little bit, right? Because if we're only focused on the worst, the worst, the worst, we lose sight of all the good that could also be happening at those times too. So like most things, there should be some balance. Let's prepare for if the worst thing happens. Let's prepare if some other thing that's not great happens. But let's also, what's our plan if something goes great or if it takes a rebound or if it goes in totally other direction, what's the plan for that? We talk about the stock market and, and things like that, not financial advice by any means, but we have the idea of, what happens if it tanks? Okay, well, what happens if it shoots up? Are you in a position to take advantage of that as well? So if you're doing that preparation, you have a little bit of plan around it. It doesn't matter which direction it goes. You're ready for both ways, but you're not also just doomsdaying yourself. You're also thinking about some positive outcomes that could happen too. And that helps balance some of that anxiety. And that that is always solid financial planning advice, whether or not you're trying to give it, it's just risk-based planning. You know, you know, you put it in a plan that allows you to manage to, to risk in different environments and be balanced so that you can, you know, no matter which way the market goes, you can you can perceive it as an opportunity. But it's it's amazing. You know, I, I chuckle because like we're always on you know the same wavelength uh, in our conversations. The third thing that I always do is try to look at it as an opportunity when we're dealing with uncertainty. It doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be a problem. It could be an opportunity when things are uncertain and when people are running scared. I mean, that's when it can really pay to be contrarian. It can really pay to, you know, take a take a stand or take a stance that's a little different than what other people are doing. And it's a great way for you to look for real opportunities because that's when opportunities do arrive. When things are consistent and stable, there's it's harder. It, honestly, it's harder to find opportunities. It's a lot easier to find opportunities when things are a little shaky. That that's, that's what, where the greatest risk and reward comes into play. And, and it 
proves itself out over time. So uncertainty can be a great opportunity. And if you take that mindset into uncertainty, it can really change the way you're responding to it. Someone who likes to play blackjack when I'm in Vegas on occasion. Um, a lot of caveats there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I say all that because I live down the street from a casino here in South Florida too, but I only do it in Vegas, kind of, maybe. Um, but when we think about the idea of blackjack, right? It's the, if you play conservative, if you play by the rules, that's your best odds to win. Now you're probably not going to break the bank and go crazy winning if you stick to the plan, right? Like if you just stick to when you're supposed to do things. But if you do occasionally take that risk and you go out of your zone and you double down on something or, or you find that right bet to make where you go in a little bit harder, you push it past what you normally bet, that's the opportunity to win big. Um, both strategies are sound, right? Like you can sit at that table for a long time on that same $20 if you play very sound sometimes. Not my last few trips to Vegas, but sometimes. Uh, but there is that opportunity to go big. You just have to time it right. Um, but those are all calculated risk. Same thing, though, is you're only going to do that if you're willing to lose uh, what you're going to risk. And that's part of that preparation. Well, there's a lot of professional gamblers out there very upset with what you said. And there's a lot of financial professionals smacking themselves in the face because you just uh, you just went straight from financial planning to gambling which is like the most hated analogy that a financial professional can run across. Well, that's Kudos. why I'm not in that, not in that area. Yeah, piss off two professionals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's crazy. So, so let's, let's briefly talk Q4 here, doc, because this is end of year. This is, and you know, it, I always say this, and I think people miss this a lot. We're Q4, right? You know, by the time, you know, the, the weekends were at Q4, but Q4, you, for a lot of people, I mean, unless you're retail and, and you're doing like some real hard holiday, Black Friday style sales, business starts to shut down by the time Thanksgiving week hits through the end of the year. It can, it can get really quiet and those holidays can take up a lot of time and it takes up a lot of focus for people who generally aren't going to make major financial decisions right at the very end of the year during the holidays, right? You're less likely to buy a house. You're less likely to you know, make major purchases. You're, you're dealing with the holidays and failing and everything. Uh, so we're going into Q4, but I could argue Q4 is really a shortened quarter compared to any other quarter. Uh, and so whatever you're going to do in Q4 has to get done arguably in like two thirds of the quarter. Absolutely. And I mean, Unless you're in one of those fields you just mentioned where you know it's where you make up a big production of your money. So like, you know, my decades in the hospitality world, we liked Q4. Like that was our time to make back all the money we lost over the summer. Uh, so it was, it was a great time. But most businesses, it's not the opportunity to make up. So this is why it's so important. We've been talking about it for the last three quarters on how you always want to go back and look to make sure you're on track. Are you on track? Because if you're waiting to Q4 to try to get that, it's probably too late. Doesn't mean it's over, but you're just probably not going to have that, that ability to make it up unless you're in one of those two, three areas that we just talked about. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's one of the harder quarters to manage to for a number of reasons. For a lot of people, it feels like the end of the race. They're tired out. Uh, they might be a little bit beat up. Even if they've been flying high, the energy levels can definitely dip going into Q4. Uh, this is a great time to your point 
go back to the start of the year, go back to the very beginning of your goals. And I say that because you and I don't necessarily love resolutions. You could, you could say we, we really dislike them, but I know so many people do them. You know, what were the plans for the year? What were the goals? What, where'd that energy come from? What was the end results you saw in your mind when you were laying those out? And what can you do to recapture that emotion and that feeling so that you can go into this quarter with a real fire lit under your butt? What do you need to do to, to, to get that kindling relit, you know? And as someone who's always looking forward, um, we can't change the past. It's already happened. But what we can do is have that affect our future in a very positive way, right? So you could also use Q4 as that time to assess what you did right and wrong over the last uh, three quarters plus and start that preparation for Q1 because you're not writing out your game plan for Q1 in January. You're writing out that Q, the plan for Q1 now. Like this is when it's starting. This is when most people are starting to put together their budgets, their, their goals, their plan for the beginning of the year. So take that time that you have and use it effectively and plan accordingly. And, you know, we learn from what we do. So let's do it right. It's the best part of Q4 in your mind. Uh, can I say Halloween? It happens to me one of my favorite holidays of, of the year. Uh, here in South Florida, I'm not going to lie. It's this idea. It's like just a simple, simple idea that it might start cooling down. Maybe. Oh, I look forward to that. Yeah, I mean, the negative aspect is we do have the time change coming up. So it's going to be dark at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon soon. Um, so not too excited about that aspect. But Does it just mean it's brighter in the morning? Yeah, that doesn't do me any good. <laughs> It's like my favorite thing that happens. <laughs> You're that one person, so it's okay. Cools down See? and it's lighter in the morning again. Yeah, I'm not the only one. There's other people like me out there. God help us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. I think it's time uh, for me. It's a good conversation, though. I appreciate some of the insight you shared. It wasn't, you know, again, if you're listening to us live, we appreciate you. Um, if you are catching this on the replay on the Entrepreneur Master Lab podcast, we will take all your likes and reviews and uh, subscribes and notification bells and all those little buttons you like to push. We, we really appreciate it. Um, and you can also leave comments there too. Remember, we are on YouTube. We are on all your social media platforms, uh, as well as our weekly blog that comes out attached to these. Um, and then we also do have a live event coming up in the month of October. So we will give you all the details shortly, but just, you know, mark your calendar, October 27th, the end of the last Thursday of the month, we will be doing something fun and big. So block it off on your calendar. Now details to follow very soon. And that just happens to coincide with your favorite holiday, right? Oh yeah. It will be, it'll definitely be Halloween based. Uh, David, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I am full of movie quotes and I held myself back tonight, but now that I've got that permission, be prepared for next time, David. We will be movie quoting like crazy. Uh, last thing you needed to hear, David. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We've had entire podcasts that are just him quoting movies. That's his entire contribution. If you want to go back a few episodes, we did have a lot of fun with Top Gun. Um, <laughs>
Well, we appreciate everybody listening in. Thank you for joining us as always the last Monday of the month. And if anybody happens to want to jump online with us, that is a fairly open invite. You're, the only rule is you got to come with a smile and, and a drink of some sort. Could be tea, could be pre-workout, could be a glass of vino. I don't care. Um, smile and something bourbon bringing up for all of us. Yep. I said, if it was bourbon bringing up for all of us, that's all I said. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's a given. Yes. Get a, get a couple of bourbon buddies out here. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody. I'm JB. I'm out. I'm the doctor. Peace out, you.